preparing for this lesson, it, it gave me an opportunity or uh, the, the chance to look back over uh, a period of time which was um, crazy for us, it was new for us, but that was the time in which uh, we were anticipating the birth of Parker. And we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We didn't know what to expect. Everything was new. But it was the most, one of the most exciting things that we have faced or have gone through in this life. There were several things that happened during that process. I'll never forget some of the events that took place. The first time that we heard the heartbeat. The first time that we, was in the, we were in the doctor's office and we could hear for the first time a heartbeat. The next thing that we would learn, the next thing that we would look forward to was learning the gender of what Parker would be. And that was met with excitement, with anticipation, uh, with eagerness. We, we wanted to know what Parker was going to be to the best that the doctors could tell us. The next thing that we had to do was to come up with a name. What were we going to call this, this new child, this, this person, uh, this new addition to our family? What, what would his name be? And so there were several things in anticipation before Parker was born that Emma Ann and I shared together in joy and excitement of looking forward to this day. Now there was one thing, and I think this is more for husbands uh, than wives. Actually, I know it's more for husbands than wives, but there's one thing that I was really looking forward to, and it was probably something silly, but it was one thing that I wanted to do. And that was I wanted to drive to the hospital with my flashers on, driving probably a little faster than I should. That was one of those small things that I really looked forward to, and I didn't get to do that. So I asked him in the whole way. We were going to Muscle Shoals, and the doctors had planned for her to come in, and I said, well, can I cut my flashers on there? Are we close enough? No, we can't cut our flashers on. So I never did get to experience that until we were pulling into the parking lot, and I said, I am cutting my flashers on now. We're here. So I finally did at least get to cut my flashers on at the very end. But there was a lot of anticipation. We see the same thing with the birth of Jesus. We see anticipation. We see a building up, a looking forward to this child that would be born. This child that would come to the earth, that would set up a kingdom, that would save man from his sins. And that's the picture that we get in Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read that text together again, starting in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to stop right there. And that's going to be where our text or where our lesson comes from this morning. There are four names that are given Jesus before his birth. Names are very important. Names can mean a lot to a person. Most of the time, names are given because of something that's going to happen with that person. A name represents what that person stands for, what that person will do in his life. And so we have four names given to Jesus before he was ever born. But four things that were told... This is what Jesus will do while he is on this earth. This morning, we're going to look at those names, and we're going to ask ourselves, what did Jesus do to fulfill those names? What did those names mean during the life of Jesus? What did those names look like as Jesus lived on this earth? 
Once again, those four names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. A second question that I want you to think about as we go through the study together this morning is, does God still fulfill those four names? Does Jesus still hold those four names in my life today, in your life today? So think about your life and ask yourself, Does Jesus still represent these four things in my life today? The first name that we see is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. When we think about a counselor, we think about someone who we turn to to get advice. Someone we turn to to get encouragement. Um, Sometimes counselors can be there for negative events that are going on in our lives. Uh, sometimes counselors can help us get through uh, traumatic situations that we faced in our lives. Um, sometimes counselors can be there for difficult things that we may be going through. But there also are times when counselors are there to help us through exciting times in our lives. One of the, the most recent things that, that some of you may have experienced or may remember Um, that counselor in school, when you're getting ready to graduate and you're filling out scholarship applications and you're excited about going to college, and that counselor is kind of there to help keep you on track, to help guide you in the direction that you need to go. You tell them your dreams. You tell them your goals. This is where I want to go to school. This is what I want to major in. You know, these are the scholarships that I would like to, to try for. And that counselor pushes you in the right direction. They guide you in the right direction. And so a counselor is not always somebody that's only there when things are bad in our lives. They're also there when things are good in our lives. Um, Looking back to when Emma Ann and I were were planning to get married, as most people do, uh, you meet with the preacher before the wedding and you sit down for marriage counseling. And at that time in our lives, that was a time of excitement, of eagerness, But it was also a time that we needed to learn. We needed to study. We needed to grow before we ever entered into that bond of marriage. Before we ever entered that time in our lives, there were things that we needed to learn. There are things that we continue to need to learn. There are things that no matter how long you've been married, that you can still learn from God's Word. If you will, open your Bibles or or turn now to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Here we're going to see... Um, a situation, or we're going to see a time in the life of Jesus while he was here on this earth in which he served as a counselor. In John chapter 5, we read, um, starting in uh, verse 2, Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which had five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time, and he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. You see, we're going to pause right there. Here we have a moment in which Jesus is serving as a counselor. Jesus asked the man, do you want to be healed? This was a question that Jesus already knew the answer to. Much like a parent today asking a child, did you clean your room? You already know the answer to that question. But there's a reason for asking that question. 
It's not to lead the person or to try to encourage the person to tell a lie. That's not the purpose of it. It's to give the person who you're asking the question to a chance to think, a chance to reflect, a chance to really ask themselves that question. And Jesus did such with the man who he approached that day. Do you want to be healed? Jesus knew that the man had tried, that the man had attempted to be healed. Jesus knew that the man did have a desire to be healed. But he still asked the question. He wanted the man to think for just a moment. And the question that Jesus was really asking that day, I believe, was not, do you want to be healed? I think the question Jesus was really asking the man was, do you believe that I have the power to heal you? Do you believe that you can be healed? You see, I think that's what Jesus was really asking the man that day, was do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe that God can do this? And so, based upon the man's answer, we read, or as we continue to read, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. You see, Jesus had asked the man the question. Jesus knew the answer. And based on the answer that the man had given him, that yes, he did believe that there was power, that the ability to be healed was there. Based upon his belief and his faith, he was healed. And he was able to walk home that day because of the power of Jesus. When you have things going on in your life, when you have difficulties in your life, do you turn to Jesus as your counselor? Do you turn to Jesus for help? Do you allow Jesus to take those troubles in your life and counsel you through them? Do you let God's power work in your life by turning to him, by turning your troubles over to him through prayer, through encouragement, through asking for help? Is Jesus a counselor in your life? The second name that we read about in Isaiah that we read about is Mighty God. Most of the time, when we see a picture of Jesus today, when we see a drawing or or some sort of a depiction of Jesus, we see a man who's often somewhat weak. Most often we see a Jesus who is small. We see a Jesus who doesn't appear to be very strong. But when we read the text, especially that of Mark chapter 6 verse 3, I think we see a different picture of Jesus. Mark chapter 6 verse 3 we read, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James? You see, here we read what Jesus did, what his profession was, before he started with his ministry. Jesus was a carpenter. I don't think that Jesus would have looked like the pictures that we see today. I think through his trade, we see a man who knew what it meant to work hard. I think we see a man who knew what it meant to sweat after a day's work. I think we would see a man with calloused hands who was not afraid to get dirty. I think we see a man who was not afraid to roll up his sleeves and do the hard work. You see, I think we see a Jesus who was powerful, who would have been strong, who would have been, uh, had features that showed that he was not afraid to do the hard work, that he was not afraid to do the dirty work. When we think about this picture of Jesus, when we think about strength, If we take our car to a mechanic, 
<clears throat> excuse me, and we get there, and the man has on a suit, his hands are not dirty, he's sitting in an air-conditioned office, we may have questions about leaving our vehicle that needs maintenance with that person. When we get to that situation, we want somebody who has oil on them. We want somebody's hands who we know have worked on cars before. You see, when we need something in our life, when we need help in our life, we want that to come from somebody who's been there before. When we face difficulties in our lives, when it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work, when it's time to get strong, when we're at our weakest, we need a Jesus who has rolled up his sleeves. We need a Jesus who has broken a sweat doing work before. And that's exactly the Jesus that we have. We serve a Jesus that knows hard work. Are we excited to turn to a Jesus who has been there before? A mighty God. Are we excited to turn to a God that we know can handle those struggles that we have in our lives? Does it encourage us to turn to a God who's not weak? Does it encourage us to turn to a God who would, so to speak, have blisters on his fingers because of the work that he had done? What about a Jesus that we can turn to who has scars from the nails that were in his hands, in his feet, because of the sacrifice that he made for you and me? To me, that is the perfect picture of a mighty God. To me, that is the perfect picture of a Jesus that I want to serve, of a God that I want to serve, as a, of a Jesus that I want to be my Savior. You see, we still serve that exact same God today, and how wonderful is that? Sometimes we read about the attributes and the characteristics of God and Jesus, and we think, well, that was a long time ago. But we can be encouraged by the fact that we serve that exact same God today. That mighty God is still the God that we serve today. No matter what happens in our nation, no matter what our government decides, no matter what decisions they make, we serve a God more powerful. We serve a Jesus more powerful. We serve a God who can overcome anything that we face as long as we turn to Him, as long as we allow Him to be our mighty God. The third description that we see of Jesus is Everlasting Father. If you will, turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Here we read at the end of a, of a section, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. This past Sunday, as a nation... We celebrated Father's Day. We took time to think about the dads, our fathers, the impact they have on our lives. Most of the things that you saw on that day, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, whatever you saw, maybe just people talking, you saw people talking about the impact that their fathers had on their lives, the impact that their dads had in their lives, the role model that their dads were the impact that their dads made. We looked at the positives, that our fa- the positive role that the fathers played in their lives. You saw words like loyalty, 
honesty, integrity, provider. The list can go on and on, and you saw probably many more words. When we see Jesus, what type of father is he to you? Is he the father that you would like him to be? Does he play the role in your life that you would like him to play? One thing is for certain. Jesus is the father who's never given you a promise that he's not fulfilled. Jesus is the father who's never going to tell you something that you're not able to do. You see, when we think about fathers, we think about our earthly fathers and how wonderful they are and the impact that they have on our lives. And, and most of us, if not all of us, would not be the same without the role that they play in our lives. But with that comes the human side of fathers. They make mistakes. We mess up. We don't always make the right decision. Sometimes we make mistakes. Such is not the case with Jesus. Jesus is there for us. Jesus is that perfect father. Jesus should be that perfect father in your life. And Jesus has offered to be the father of your life if you will allow him to be the father of your life. Fathers provide for us and they protect us. They watch out for us, they guide us, they teach us. All of these things, hopefully Jesus is doing in your life as well. If not, are you allowing him to be a father of your life? One of the hardest things in life has to be losing a parent, losing a father, losing a mother. The description we have of Jesus is... He is our everlasting Father. He's there now, and He's there for eternity. How great and how wonderful is it to know that we serve, that we have a Father that's there for eternity, that will never forsake us, that will never leave us, that as long as we allow Him to be our Father, as long as we are His children, He is an everlasting Father. The only way to lose Jesus as our Father, is to reject Him. And that comes from us. Have you rejected Jesus as your Father? Or do you allow Him to be the Father of your life? Jesus promised that anyone who confesses His name on earth, He'll confess their name in heaven. Has He confessed your name in heaven? Have you confessed His name on earth? Do you want to serve a Father that's mighty, and that's everlasting. Finally, the fourth name that we read about Jesus is the most exciting description to me of any of the four. The fourth name that Jesus has given is Prince of Peace. Peace is that magical word that we always try to understand, we always try to achieve. We are said to be at peace when we are happy or we are content with a situation. Sometimes people are said to be at peace when they've overcome a sickness or an illness or a difficulty in their life. But what does peace really mean? We're not looking for that magical answer that it seems that most every Miss America has ever given the peace on earth, that, that magical answer that it seems they have to give. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about true peace, a calmness, a stillness that's in our soul.
Peace means being okay with what's going to happen. Being okay with whatever we may face. Jesus is said to be the Prince of Peace. Why is he called the Prince of Peace? When we think about the Prince of Peace, someone who can provide us peace like no other, someone who can provide us true peace, we see Jesus. We see someone who has told us, cast your burdens on me and I'll carry your load. We see a man who said, I'll come to earth, I'll bear the cross, I'll take the punishment, I'll die for your sins so that sin will not defeat you. We see a man who after spending time in the grave defeated death. He rose from the grave. He beat death so that we could have a hope to beat death. You see, to me, that's the perfect example of a prince of peace. He provides us the peace that he has already achieved. He gives us the rewards that he worked for. He gives us the forgiveness that he died for. You see, he gives us all the good stuff. Does that mean life is always going to be peaceful? Does that mean life is always going to be wonderful? No. Jesus never promised that. But Jesus did promise us that if we overcome, if we allow him to take our burdens, that he will always take our burdens when we give them up to him. But you see, sometimes Jesus is not able to take our burdens. The reason I say that is because we don't let go of them. There are times in our lives when we don't allow Jesus to take the issues that we're facing and help us out. We hold on to them. We cling to them because maybe we think we can do them by ourselves. We can overcome it by ourselves. And we never truly understand the word peace because we never truly understand how to let go. Is Jesus the Prince of Peace in your life? Do you know peace? Would you like to know peace? Are there things in your life that bog you down? Are there things in your life that are burdensome? Sometimes it's just as simple as letting go. As letting Jesus be the Prince of Peace. Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to put enough faith in God that you can say, you know what, God, I don't know how to deal with this. I've tried. I've failed. I'm letting you take control. I'm going to let you be the leader of my life. I'm going to let you tell me what to do through your word. I'm going to study your word so that I can hear what you tell me to do. God, I want peace. I need peace. Give me the peace that I need. I'm letting go. You are my Prince of Peace. To sum up or to finish up this morning, if you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7. And I think here we see a description that is parallel with that description in Isaiah. I think we see, in Isaiah we see names. Here in 1 Corinthians, we see a picture of what that looks like. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In this verse, we read about love. Once again, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A mighty God is able to bear all things. A wonderful counselor gives you reason to believe in all things. A a prince of peace gives you hope in all things. And an eternal father endures all things. God is love. God is love. God is love. Is that what he represents in your life? Is God the love of your life? When you read these four names that we've studied this morning, does Jesus play those roles in your life? If not, he wants to. We're told in Scripture that those are four names given to Jesus because he had a desire to fulfill those four missions, those four pieces of your life. Do you allow him to fulfill those things in your life? Today, if there's anything in your life that you're struggling with, If you've never become a child of God, make that change today. Allow God to love you. Allow God to bear all things in your life. Turn to your wonderful counselor who will also be your everlasting father. Find peace like you've never experienced before with the Prince of Peace. If there's anything that we can do to assist you, if you need prayers, if you need encouragement, if you just need somebody to put their arm around your shoulder and say, hey, you're not alone, right now is the time to make that commitment. Right now is the time to turn to God. If you have any need, come now while together we stand and while we sing.